All right, brother. Hey, man. How's it going? Some technical difficulties, huh? Hey, it's always something, right? I think it's a, a beard conspiracy, man. They saw too much beard in the Instagram live. Dude, I like I like it. What's your uh, What's your goal with the beard? Growing it out as long as you can, or what? You know what? I want to be able to hide something in there. Get to the point where I can hide something in there, and just whip it out, man. You know. I this uh, this Corona keeps going. You might you might have the opportunity to do that. Seriously, man. I mean, I could probably do it anyways because I, I don't have a real job. I haven't grown up yet. <laughs> So, uh, you know, but what about you, man? Your beard game's strong right now. It's, it's getting there. I'm trying to, uh, you know, get the, uh, the Finnish Viking look, you know? Yeah. I like it, man. You're going strong, man. I, I would not want to go up against you if I was a, a player on another team, man. I'd be like, look at a coach, man. He's, he's crazy. I want to put, you know, a little fear into the other coach when I shake his hands before the game. Oh yeah, man. Dude. He's going, he's going, uh, He's already going to his other coaches like we have no chance. But uh, no, I like it, man. I respect it. You know what? I was thinking about it because I knew we were going to have a beard conversation. I think the level of your beard is uh, directly correlated to your defensive abilities as a player or probably as a coach, too. I, I agree with that. I think yeah. that's, uh, that's kind of where the defensive skills come from. It's not from yeah. anything training-wise. It's just the beard. Huh. No way. No way. That's what, that's what Brett Hall tells you. You know, he's like, just, just grow a beard out. Just grow a beard out. We're going to kick balls at you in the box, driven balls until you faint. If you do well, if your beard looks nice, we'll get you a contract somewhere. There it is, man. I've seen a lot of good, good players that didn't have beards, didn't get contracts, man. Exactly. All right, guys, welcome back to another Footy and Coffee Conversations. Are you a coffee drinker? I am not, man. All right, so I'm going, I'm going alone on this one. I got a super watered down coffee. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got um, the coffee mug for you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so to get started, if you just want to uh, introduce yourself, um, and I guess you're, you're not playing anymore, spoiler alert, but yeah. you have a, a long career that we'll yeah. get into, so... Yeah, so I guess uh, for me, um, I'm 32 now. I retired about six, seven months ago, which, to be honest, not a bad time to retire because yeah. no one else, no one else has really played more than me. Because when I retired was the end of the season and took the off season off, and now you know guys, guys have done preseason, but no one's really trained. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I've, I uh, I played. Uh, I grew up here in America. I grew in the Chicago area. Uh, played college division one, pretty close Northern Illinois university, um, tore my ACL, the, my senior year came back, redshirt senior, um, went to Japan right after, um, on a trial left there cause of nuclear crisis, um, Fukushima, there was a massive tsunami and stuff came back here. All the seasons were pretty locked up, went with bridge trained with bridges for a year. We went to, uh, Holland. Um, that year, this is before the Sweden, before all that stuff, and we went to Netherlands. This is what they did back in the day, and we played against uh, – played against. I found out later I played against Virgil van Dijk in our first game there. Oh, wow. We, we, yeah, we jumped off the plane, and I didn't know. They told me later, but we played uh, FC Groningen, and they were in the Europa League that, that year. So, um, yeah, but it was a good experience. Like, we, no one got picked up. It wasn't like it is now where they got how'd, guys. How did you guys do in that game? Ah, uh, that's not a good question, man. Um, six, six, nothing. I, uh, I figured out that I, I made a, uh, rat, like, a I, 
I don't know, an analysis here. Every time we lost the ball, they scored. So we came up with a strategy, hey, let's just not touch the ball. Let's just watch them play and then and, uh, avoid the counterattack. And, you know, when we started to open up a little bit, so we just sat in. But they were amazing, man. We had just hopped off the plane two days before that, man. And what an experience of European football that was for me, man. Um, and we played some good teams there. We played a bunch of, some other Dutch reserve teams and stuff. But I think that might have been the only first team we played, and they were Europa League team and the best <laughs> best quality. So, yeah. But, but yeah, went there. Nothing happened that day. There was maybe some German clubs. There was something maybe that, that they were talking about because um, we, we dipped into Germany or we were close there for a little bit. But then, uh, then I came back, trained with Bridges for a year, got signed in the USL with uh, Dayton Dutch Lions, played – or I signed three contracts there, tore my ACL in the second year, um, came back for my third, different coach, didn't see eye to eye, to eye. went to uh, Finland after that because, uh, uh, because it wasn't working. I, I, I transferred in the middle of that season, went to Finland. That's where I started my career in Finland a bit, um, signed with the team North Finland, Kemi. And then uh, we won the league. Next year, I signed with the team close to – are you in uh, – you're in Finland right now or what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, it's kind of getting kind of – but I, I signed with the team close to you, obviously, Narpes. Uh, you know, it's a really – it's a small place, man, but they, they love their football there. They love their, their soccer and, uh, and, and have a beautiful field. So I signed there. It was cool. And then uh, came back there, came back after that, took some time off. Uh, personal reasons, some stuff, and and trained with Bridges again. Ended up going over um, with them in the summer. Signed in Sweden, stayed with that team, helped them promote for three years, and then uh, or sorry, for two years and the second year there. And then the third year, I uh, got picked up uh, or I got seen by a Brazilian coach that owned a Brazilian owned team in uh, or not owned, but he's coaching the Brazilian owned team in Slovakia, and uh, transferred over there at the very last day of the of the transfer window in Slovakia. Um, they were in relegation, helped them avoid relegation, get out of there, climb out. And uh, yeah, had an injury at the end, at the very end. And the new coach, that Brazilian coach was gone and uh, we didn't see eye to eye. So there were, there was a team looking at me in the top league that was pretty serious, I guess. And cause we played them in, in our middle of the season, preseason in between. And, and that just didn't work out. I waited for a while and I just wasn't getting the opportunities. It wasn't going up, you know, it was kind of staying the same. And at this point I was like, I'll go home and pay the game forward if it's not going to get better at this point. So, um, and I also had massive immigration problems in Sweden. I still do. So that's, that's fun stuff. We can talk about that stuff, but um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Now I'm home. I've been home for five or six months and I'm just uh, trying to pay the game forward, trying different ways and, and uh, you know, start life after football. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's go back, starting with your youth career. You start at Campton, and then you switch to Magic to, uh, if anyone knows Chicago soccer, that's a serious soccer club at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, had, you had a lot of success at the Magic. Um, if I bring up uh, Dallas Texans soccer club, does that bring stir emotion still to this I'm day? Not, I can't turn this off right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, obviously two, two losses in the national finals to them. Yeah. Yeah, That's not, research, man. Yeah. not not a fun not a fun loss but still to make it two years to the national finals is a big uh success from a club standpoint yeah i mean this was before the academy you know so it was, it was all state regionals nationals you know there was no academy none of that stuff so it was a big deal and we ended up losing the dallas texans you know 
that was uh, they had a lot of big time players, but I guess Omar Gonzalez, you know, the national team player, was probably their most well known player on that team. So yeah, to see them twice for all the teams in the entire country to play it out, and to see them twice in the national final or in the nationals and national final and lose to them twice, yeah, I, uh, I hate Texas for that reason. So it uh, seems like every every time you guys play a club, the biggest name from it is the center back. <laughs> What's up, man? I don't know what's up with that. The guys that uh, the guys that I never get to see. Although I did defend some pretty big center backs on set pieces in my days, but um, yeah, I I honestly don't really remember Van Dyke because all those guys were just like next level, bro. And we had you know it was me, and then it was a bunch of college kids for the most part. I had yeah. Jeff DeGroot with me as well, so a couple older guys, and then it was just a bunch of college kids, so we had no chance, but. Yeah, it, it was Dallas Texans. It was a good youth club experience, very professional, very disciplined. My club, very disciplined. It set me up to be a professional, to have that discipline. Maybe they didn't promote, it, promote as much creativity as I would have liked. Um, that's that, that was a big thing because it was very – my coach was two-touch and training all the time, crossing, finishing, which wins you games. But I think at a young age you want players to, to express some creativity. And then as they get older, it gets more disciplined. Yeah. Um, at that point, when you're playing club soccer, what's your your kind of goal or focus? Is it college? Is it professional at that point? What are you thinking you want to do with soccer? That's a good question. Um, and I got to think back there. I think it's really always for me it was to be a pro. I mean, I made that goal when I was a kid. I said, this is my mission. This is what I want to do. And uh, I'm going to run with it. But obviously, college, you have to have your goals. And college was a big part of it. You know, you got it. You got it. In America, I didn't really know any other way. And back then, there maybe wasn't such a connection with Germany like there is now or, or even Scandinavia. I don't feel like it was as strong. So, yeah, it was it was the GoPro. But college was always in my sights, and that was something that I was doing. I just wanted to be the best player I could, you know. How did you decide on NIU? Were you looking at multiple different schools? What was that process like, getting recruited? Yeah, so um, I was actually on the regional team, and I, for whatever reason, like, uh, I was on the regional team two years. Um, every year I did it. And then uh, I decided my last year. So the colleges were looking, and we went to a showcase in Disney with the regional team. And I only played two out of four games, like, and I, I don't even think I played in the other games. So I was kind of mad because I didn't go with Magic, and I went with the regional team because um, they invited me. And then I barely played. So um, I guess they were going to invite me to the next thing, which was a trip to Italy. And I decided not to uh, – take that because I was just mad like I took I put my pride up there you know I was just mad that they didn't play me and and uh a lot had to go with that there was this like elite Nike program back then and and uh I think that would have been big for recruiting purposes but um I just played with Magic played with the regional team and uh before and then I decided not to go so I kind of ended my ODP thing and I think that kind of hurt me but at the same time I was getting offers I didn't really reach out to schools as much as I should have I just like ex assumed they would come to me and I still did get offers but I ended up getting quite a bit of money cuz obviously soccer it's it's tough to get a men's it's tough to get a full scholarship yeah. I got a lot and it was close and uh and and it was close for my parents which was nice and uh they they had a lot of magic players there to be honest a lot of older magic players that, that I knew and it, it was it was a pretty good program so I knew it was going to be good I really liked the coach I sat down with them so I committed pretty early for guys. I think I committed like some somewhere earlier in the junior year, and that's oh, pretty wow. early. For guys. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, early for guys. Yeah, something like that because they pulled the old they all pulled the old. Hey, if you don't take this, we're gonna start giving it away, you know. And I had no idea how to negotiate or how things work, and I was just like, oh, we gotta go, we gotta go. 
So I jumped on that. And to be honest, I got some good offers after that. Like after I did that, I had some good offers from some, some schools. I can't even really remember anywhere, but like North Carolina, some good schools down there. And like, even though I was already at, but it was, I verbally committed and stuck to my, my, my word there. So that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. And you were in college, you were playing kind of a lot of different positions throughout your, your, your years there. Yeah. So mostly outside back, they put me in, started as a freshman as an outside left back because uh, didn't have a left footed player. And uh, I came off playing in the national final the week before as like a winger, like outside mid, like attacking player. And then they're like, oh yeah, we want to play you as outside back in, in college. So I said, okay, whatever. And that was like a back four that didn't attack. But I was like, a play as a freshman would be great. And that team ended up winning the MAC championship. And it was really good. Our freshman year was a really good team. And uh, so we made it to the tournament, ended up losing to Indiana. But I essentially played there. They loved me there. Um, I ended up playing... Uh, I think like what solidified my spot as uh, outside back is we played Notre Dame like the fourth or fifth game in the season. And uh, they're like, all right, your job is to shut down. Uh, his name was, uh, I think it was Joseph Lapira. He was uh, the high Herman winner, which is a Heisman okay, for yeah. soccer. You know? He won it for Notre Dame that year. And they're like, your, pro your, your mission in this game is to shut him down. And uh, yeah, I had one of my best games in my college career. Like he didn't, he didn't really do anything. Uh, we ended up tying them 0-0 at Notre Dame, big result. Oh, I wow. think from there, like, they made a decision, hey, he's going to be left back forever. And uh, it was tough because in the summers, I'd play for Fire PDL, one of the best PDL programs in, uh, in the country. It was at that time, I think, consistently. And I would play in the midfield, and they loved me there. And then I'd go back to college. They're like, no, 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 you're playing outside back. And I, I kind of knew I wanted to be a midfielder, and that's where I belonged. But I had to do what they wanted, and so I, I – Played a couple games here and there, and I did really well um, in, in college, but they wanted me back there to solidify the defense. And, you know, I, I, my, my offensive skills lacked a little bit when I was playing a lot of outside back there. So um, I, maybe it was the right decision looking back for them after I'd played there so long. But, yeah, so I essentially played midfield, outside back, center midfield, outside midfield, but mostly outside back for my college career. Yeah. No, it's uh... – it's one of those where as a freshman at first, you're just excited to see the field. And then as you start to get more games under your belt, you start to be like, well, I kind of want to play in the position I feel is best. And that's a, a difficult thing because the maybe the enjoyment of getting to play starts to not mean as much, you know, after you've already been a consistent starter. That's it, 100%. And I tell, I tell a lot of kids now, like whether it's club or they're getting into college, I say, you know, if you can get on, because there's some coaches who will say, hey, play wherever you can play, you can get on the field. I say that's right, but, I mean, train for you where you want to be, and then maybe, you know, when you get that opportunity, like, uh, don't market yourself for that. If, if you, like, you have to look at look ahead, you know, and, and uh, I didn't market myself for it, but, you know, train for the position you want to play, and, and maybe instead of doing something that's, like, okay and you're still playing soccer, do what you love, you know. Life's too short, man. Do what you love and play the position. Don't disagree with the coach or anything. It's a, it's a, like, you know, from the coaching end, it's a tough situation because, you know, like you don't want to be like disrespectful or anything, but you want to just them to understand this is who you are and this is what you train for. So it's a difficult position. If I had to look back, maybe I would have rather sat for a year or sat or came off the bench for a year, a year and a half and played midfield than start as a freshman and play every game at a position that, you know, wasn't my favorite and I don't think I was ever going to be a professional in. Yeah. When, what part of college does professional soccer become 
change from just a dream to a realistic option for you? That's a great question, man. And to be honest, for me, never, never, never. As in, like, I always wanted to do it. It was always a dream. But, I mean, because I, I, I was playing left back and I wasn't getting accolades, man. I wasn't getting points, you know. It was really difficult for me. Like, yeah, I was playing left back, too, because uh, I had a good left foot, man. Because in high school, I tried to become Messi. I saw Messi. I'm like, oh, I want to be him. So in high school, I try to become him. I go in my backyard. I'm training dribbling for like two hours every day with my left foot. And then I realized when I came to the game, man, I never use it because you get in that fight or flight mode, you know? And you're like, you always go to your strong foot. Your brain doesn't think about it. So I did all this training. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of a waste of time. Um, but I am very two-footed now, and, and I was two-footed in college. So, But either way, you want to be on your strong foot. I'm playing left back, so I'm playing on my weak side. Um, outside back so it was always a dream and I, I guess if I want to say like it started to become a little bit more realistic or maybe I'm getting on radars a bit more was uh, when we played in the, I guess it came from PDL yeah when we played in that we played in the national final for PDL so uh, my sophomore to junior year we played in the national final so that, that was pretty that season was crazy so we're the Chicago Fire one of the best PDL teams man everyone knows the Chicago Fire, and we're struggling this year. Like, they recruit from everywhere. We had kids from North Carolina, from Wake Forest. from Oh, wherever. yeah, that was back before it was only fire products, right? Exactly. They didn't even have, like, academy back or homegrown back yeah. then, you know? So this team's so sick, and the owner of it, like, we're struggling, and they got, they're bringing guys in from everywhere. I was local, so I just came and played, and they liked how I played. So, so, uh, so that's how I – or I came in the year before when they had a coaching change, and they didn't do all this recruiting, and I did well that year before. That's how I kind of got in there because I wasn't a big-name player. But they liked how I played, so I didn't matter. And uh, essentially, um, we played in the national final. I was an off-and-on starter because that team was, team was so sick. If you look at that team, every single – like if I break down like the, the, the top 14 players, out of the top 14 players, it was my junior and senior now I think about it. Out of the top 14 players out of that team, 15 players, I think like – 13 or 14 were in the MLS drafted and I wow. was like one of them that didn't and uh it hurt because I tore my ACL like a couple weeks after that but uh I guess that was that was the time for like or not even a couple weeks a week after that so for that one Jeez. week because I got it I got to start in the national final because which was not expected but uh we had a guy Rich Bolchin who uh had an injury and he played for Columbus Crew forever he might still be in the MLS he something happened to him he got some injury so I uh, they put they they decided to start me in the national final. That was a big deal, man. That like there were a lot of eyes on that game, and and uh, that's when in my in my head I'm like, well, I'm in a good position. These guys are all getting a lot of exposure, and I did. I guess that that that's when I say we became more realistic. But it dipped down. I tore my ACL, and then I kind of went away. You know, I had to redshirt senior. So um, it was I was always a dream of mine, but I don't think it ever really started to become more realistic outside of that one week. Yeah. So then after college, you get the USL combine invite? Yeah. So, uh, so um, going back to that uh, PDL experience, because it kind of goes back. Like, so we were struggling all year. We were like uh, in the middle of the table in our conference, and we're supposed to be winning it. The coach pretty much said, he, he, said, uh, he said, like, you guys need to flip this season around or I'm going to blacklist all of you. It wasn't the coach. It was the GM. He pretty much said to me, like, the MLS, I'm going to blacklist all of you. So I don't know if it worked, but we flipped the season around, went on a giant winning streak, and there was one game, like, we played in Canada. And I didn't have a passport. A lot of guys didn't have a passport. Or mine wasn't valid for my younger passport. 
And uh, I, like, expedited it and, like, did all this thing for the team because they really needed players for this. And I expedited it. And, like, the GM of the, the fire said, hey, if you ever need a favor, man, let me know. Because, because I did that, it cost me a lot of money. But um, I got my passport, and they needed players for that game. And uh, after college, man, I was an academic All-American two times. But I don't know if that was going to open up the doors that I needed to uh, or even the USL Combine. So I just asked them, I'm like, hey. Go, like uh, I said, hey, his name, the GM. I said, hey, can you, can you, can I, can I call him that favor now? You know, and uh, he said, he said, he said, yeah, I can put your stuff to the USL guys and see what they say. So he put it up there. I got invited to the USL combine, and uh, and I went to that combine, and and to be honest, no American coach wanted anything to do with me. They didn't want to touch me with a five foot pole. Maybe because I was short. Maybe I was playing outside back and outside mid. But there was one Japanese GM there. And uh, he was there with he was actually there with an agent who had helped players go from Japan to uh, to the U.S. And I was he was trying I was like whoever was going to come from this combine was going to be their test right to go from the U.S. to Japan. And uh, I think they said like the guy was interested in three people and he offered three people the opportunity to go over there. And I was the only one that took it I think, um, which is crazy man. But maybe they didn't know maybe. I think they did tell me going into it. No one spoke uh, English over there or something, which was definitely not an easy opportunity yeah. for the first time playing I can't imagine that. Yeah. So that was crazy. But, yeah, so I did that, and they invited me. I said, I'm going for it, man. I got that, – that's all, you know, soccer is my whole life. I don't care if I can't speak English to anyone or what happens, man. I, I went to Asia and tried that, and, you know, I kind of alluded to it before. Nuclear disaster, Fukushima, man, which is a big thing, like – um, a lot of people may not remember that, but it was a big thing, man. Japan was essentially like melting down, man. And like, um, I, I had to get out of there. They were going to offer me a contract, um, at least a short-term one. And I said, I said, I got to go. They were working on the visa stuff. I said, this is crazy, man. So um, my mom was crying and, and every day, like when she called, like she was freaking out. Um, but yeah, I ended up leaving there and it is where it is, man. I look back and think about it, but there was some crazy stuff going on in there. So everything happens for a reason. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you come back to the U.S., um, you get picked by Dayton Dutch Lions, correct? Yeah. What, uh, talk a little bit, because obviously now, you know, especially younger players, they see yeah. what the USL is today, but obviously back then it was a much different just scene of soccer in the U.S. What was your kind of experience that's different then than what it is today? Yeah. I mean, there's, I think, I think back then, from what I see now, I think the infrastructure is better all around, you know, like they're starting to get all the teams to have to have, you know, good stadiums and everything set up. And I think back in the day, like the quality of players was pretty good because there were less teams. When I did it, there were maybe eight to 10 teams, man, back then, or maybe 12. I don't really remember, but it was like eight to 12. So now there's like 30 teams, you know, so you take all that talent and you, you know, you put it down into eight to 12 teams, what it was before. And now it's you spread it out between 30 teams. Plus you have NISA. Plus you have all these other USL too. You have all these opportunities. So I think the talent was really good back then, and and uh, everyone kind of knew each other because it was such a small league. And I think now a lot of guys in the USL probably know each other, but you know with all these different leagues, like the American pros may not always know each other. Oh, he's playing in USL too, or whatever it is. The champion. I don't want. I don't get the names anymore, but, uh, you know, like championship or league one, whatever. Um, like they don't know, they might not know each other. They could show up to Bridges one day and be like, uh, I play for, you know, Chattanooga or whatever the teams are. And the other guys like, yeah, I play for, uh, you know, like Louisville and they, they just don't know each other back then. Like if you were playing in the U S like 
I guess there was that other league, uh, NASL or NASL. NASL, yeah, man, I'm yeah. getting too old. Yeah, good, good call. <laughs> there was the NASL too, man. So there was some of that, but there weren't many teams in that league either. But going back to it, the infrastructure is better now. They're using baseball fields and stuff. I think that's brilliant. A lot of teams are building sports specific. Um, I think back then you had maybe more fluctuations in the quality of team. Maybe it's because they're less teams, but we had Orlando City back in at the day, and they just were way better than everyone else, just outplayed the league. It was like they're going to pretty much win unless something crazy happens. And and uh, and and then you had teams like we were actually – we got beat a lot, man. We actually outpossessed a lot of teams because we had Dutch coaches. Our coaches were like, hey, we're going to try to play. And back then, not a lot of teams tried to play. So I guess like we, we, we got beat a lot because we tried to play and we had better possession and we – they tried to play a Dutch 4-2-3-1. But when we played Orlando, we were like one of the only teams that could hang with them because I think pretty well because we both played established possession, you know, uh, Orlando City before they went MLS. But I think that's what I would say um, going back to your question is just there was less team. So, um, you know, maybe maybe there was, there was you know, like there's less team. So maybe some of that gets funneled in and there's right. not so much diversity. And uh and then the infrastructure wasn't as good, man. Teams used high school like complexes sometimes. Some teams had really good fields, like Orlando City. You're playing in, you know, the Orange Bowl or whatever, man. And yeah. Same thing they're using now, but then you had teams that are playing on high school, uh, like soccer fields. So uh, it was pretty crazy back then, I guess, with that part of it. Yeah. Uh, so you you play there uh, for two two and a half years. Yeah, I played there for two and a half, and I tore. So I played there for one. Had a really good season. Uh, made team of the week a couple times, and had a bad injury that ended that season. Came back the second year. Um, I ended up working a lot in that off season, getting a desk job, uh, just because I had a girlfriend. Man, you know those mistakes. I made a mistake, man. I wanted to stay there instead of. I should have came back and grinded at Bridges, man. But I wanted to stay there and 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 be with her. That didn't work out, and I ended up I ended up just like. Because I had stayed there and I worked a job, I didn't go back and train as much. I ended up, I think that was a big reason I ended up tearing my ACL my second year. So I played two games. We were undefeated, man. We won at home against uh, Pittsburgh, and then we went to a uh, team in Florida, VSI Tampa, beat them, tore my ACL in like the 88th minute. The coach was like, uh, I jumped up for a header, hyperextended my knee, 88th, 89th minute. We're up 1-0. Coach was like, hey, coach, uh, Kyle, you want to go out? You want to go out? It's like, no way, man. 89th minute. We're in war. We're in battle here, man. Hindsight, that was a really bad decision. Went to go press a guy and uh, literally no contact, man. But I think that hyperextended weak my hamstrings or something. And heard that crack, man. Knew it kind of right away. And, and uh, that was the end of that season. Came back next year. Didn't play at all. The coach, it was a new coach. He was so excited about, like, having me, even though I tore my ACL. I was like, wow, this is crazy. He kind of, like, offered me a contract contingent on me being healthy in preseason, through preseason. And, uh and and I find out like two weeks before the season, he's like, "No, we found another number six, so we actually don't need you." I'm like, we, "Do we have a verbal contract?" Which wouldn't hold up in court or anything. I'm like, "We have a verbal contract, you know." And uh, and and now you're gonna say like that uh, that you, that you don't need me anymore. And I ended up going there, but they had no interest in playing me, man. So I ended up, and I was in bad form. And and to be honest, I barely got through preseason healthy. That was like our deal, and uh, I had. <coughs> A screw that was like sticking out of my knee, man. I just kept playing through it because I'm like, Jeez. all right, leave a con contract contingent on me being healthy. I can't lose this contract. So my knee was like a balloon, man. I was playing, but uh, yeah, so that didn't work out, man. That that year, I didn't play at all. Um, 
when I decided to uh, leave was when uh, we played Columbus Crew in a friendly. And uh, he said, everyone's going to play this game no matter what. And we had, like, an affiliation with them. They were loaning five players, so that's how we had the friendly. I played in the game. I got in for the last 30 minutes, 25-30. It was, like, it was a, by far, I think I, was, I think I was the best player on the field in that game when I was in the game, you know. And I even got, like, I took highlights from that and made, like, a whole highlight video out of 30 minutes. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and I asked the coach after the game, like, hey, like, uh, and I didn't travel the next game. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, uh, he's like, oh, I thought you knew. We have 28 players on our roster, and only 27 can be on the can be on or 20. We have 28 players in our pool, and only 27 can be on the roster. He said, "You're not on the roster. You've been playing great, but we made this roster early." And he said, "I'd have to cut someone, or uh, or release someone, and, and pay them the rest of their contract to wow. put you on there." Yeah. So I found that out. I hit I hit up uh, Brett asking for advice. And Brett, you know, Brett Hall from Bridges, and he said, he said, uh, you know, like, you got you got a contract, you got to stay there. And I think they had, like, an injury that happened with their team. And then he kind of hit me up, and he's like, hey, we had an injury. Like, if you want, you can come over, you can come with us. And, and Or he said first, he said, we want to see your inform. You come to a couple games. You played Indy 11 and maybe Charlotte um, with Bridges. And, and he saw I was in good form. He's like, he's like, hey, we, we need numbers. We, we need you. So I ended up heading overseas with, uh, with, with, with them that year. Yeah. What, uh, when did you first get connected with Bridges? So before, so after I finished college, I'm like, Hey, I need a place to train from ending, ending my college career to the USL combine. And that's when, uh, I first went there and I didn't, I knew some people there, obviously I played with guys and stuff, but like, uh, it's just crazy to think about my first days in there. I had no idea how the teams were set up, man, or anything. I just went in there like oblivious, like, like, uh, you know, one of these kids like that's like, Oh yeah, it's just playing. He's making random teams. And he put me on one of the lower teams, man. And like, I did really well, man. And like, I, I think he like was asking who I was at the first day, man. And second day, he kind of put me on, on his team, maybe the second team, man. He just, he liked how I played. I think he liked how I grinded and, then it kind of went from there. Didn't sign anything or even like talk about going anywhere with them. I went to the camp combine, ended up getting the opportunity to Japan, and then uh, after that, all didn't work out. And I came back. He's like, he's like, he's like, you need to be playing somewhere. He's like, come stay with us. And that's that's kind of where like I stayed the rest of that year, the last six months with them. I see, I see. So yeah, so you go over on the summer trip. You end up signing in Finland. Yeah. Um, What's your what's your first experience in Finland playing for uh, what Kemi Kings? Yeah, that, that's a great question, man. So I go over there, man, and I'm I'm expecting like I've heard the last year a couple guys got signed in Young Sheila in uh, in Sweden, which is a Super Etten team, and I'm like, which is second level over there, and it's good level, it's good money. And I'm I'm and these guys had no USL experience, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go over there, USL experience, like some accolades, and you know, I'm at least gonna get an opportunity with a. Uh, like a second level team in Sweden or something like that. And uh, nothing comes up, man. I end up, they end up uh, the, the bridges thing. No one even like sees me or I don't, I don't know what it was. Not, no one really went any many places from that trip, man. Like, or any like high places, but um, I ended up going to, uh, to San Beacon, which is a team in uh, at that time, division one or two, but this is when you needed a professional um, visa. It was really difficult to get in those levels. I go there. The coach gave me 45 minutes. I was there for like a week. He gave me, He asked me, he's like, how do you feel when I got there? I said, I'm pretty tired. Like with Bridges, we've been playing a game every other day. So he said, okay. He ended up giving me 45 minutes and the end of that, that, uh, that, that, the end of my trial period there, like three or four days in a game. He starts me, plays me 45 minutes. 
I don't think I played very well. My worst trial experience probably ever had, but still think it was a four or five out of 10. And he says, he takes me out of halftime. He's like, he's like, uh, I think you were one of the best players on the field, but we have a game this weekend. We have to sign a player or we can't sign you and get your paperwork in. Essentially what he's saying, he's like, I got to try something for this weekend. So I said, okay, not knowing where I stand. And then after that, um, and then after that, the next day, uh, my agent calls me, uh, and he, he pretty much says, uh, yeah, they're not interested. I go, oh, this is crazy, man. He gives me 45 minutes. He tells me this. And, uh, and he actually said it in the newspaper, too. So he wasn't just saying that to me. But oh, wow. I guess what a lot of players find out when, they're, when they start the pro, is it's, there's so many decisions and so many people that have to say yes. So the coach liked me, all the coaches, I think, but the board didn't. They didn't want to pay the money they had to pay back then, which was a lot for that level because you had to get a professional visa. And, uh, and then I went, I honestly was deciding between going home because I had a flight the next day to go home. Or he said, there's a team in Finland that wanted another player, a center mid, wanted another center mid, but he already got signed by another team, a Bridges guy. So they said, he saw your CV and he said, he, or your resume. He said, he kind of likes your resume. You can go up there if you want, but he's like, no guarantees. Um, and, and, you know, like to go up there. And I said, well, I got a flight home next mo tomorrow morning, or I can get on a train that morning and go. And that flight home's not cheap, you know, $400, yeah. something like that. I stay up all night. There's this guy, Adam Kelmet. He was a Bridges guy who was on that team side, the team I was trialing with, sorry, go back to San Beacon. I was staying with him and I'm up all night, man. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Money's not easy to come by at that time in my life and that career. And I was like, it isn't either now, but I was like, I was like, I was like, what do I do, man? So I essentially, uh, I essentially uh, decided, like, I actually passed out maybe at like four o'clock and woke up after the train would have went. So I'm like, all right, that makes my decision pretty easy. <laughs> so, so I'm going to Finland, man, and and I go to Finland, take an overnight train there um, because I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to take a flight. I want to, I want to, I want to. I, I said because if I take a flight, I have to take one really early in the morning or something, and I have to get up and. Then I have to take a train to the airport. So I'll take an overnight train because um, that uh, because that that will uh, then I'll sleep on the train. Little did I know I can't ever sleep when I travel. So I take an I take an overnight train there, and then I I get up off the train uh, after like eight ten hours, barely slept in that train, and uh, I picked uh, this this made me laugh, man. This is totally random, but it made me laugh. I picked like for whatever reason uh, I was in my like uh my my bunker and i think and then uh i was eating tuna i just remember this i was eating tuna in like a thing of like six beds and i'm like i i felt so bad for the other people that were in there i think it just smelled so bad and it just made me laugh i just remember that that overnight transition <laughs> completely irrelevant man but no, no one else is sleeping either yeah no, <laughs> exactly man but uh just trying to stay healthy on the trip man eat healthy very important lesson for all the kids out there but I get off the train, man, and the, I go to meet the coach. Uh, it's an English coach. This guy played for uh, the uh, for West Ham, man. He played. Oh, wow. He won the FA Cup in England. Yeah, he, his name was Tommy Taylor. He had a really good playing resume. He was starting his coaching career. Um, he's an older guy too, or at least starting it abroad from England. And uh, like, first of all, I get off the plane, the train. I don't realize like the Sweden and where I was in Finland like are different time zones. So I told the guy, I told the, the, the president like an hour, it should have been an hour early, man. I didn't know this stuff. And the president, I show up and the president's pissed off. Like these guys all have a lot of money, you know, like the CEO or whatever. And he's like, I've been waiting here for like over an hour. And I said, oh, the time changed. So that's not a good start. <laughs> and, then, and, and, and then 
And then he takes me over to uh, he takes me over to uh, like the the restaurant that sponsored us that uh, that everyone ate at, and the coach was like, he's letting go of a player as I'm coming in, man. So I'm seeing him like let go of a player. So a little bit intimidating, you know, uh, a foreign guy like a Danish guy. He's letting go of him, and I think that was to like potentially open up a spot for for me or or another foreigner. But I ended up going there talking to him a little bit. He says, "All right, we got a training in 30 minutes." He's like. Uh, He's like, do you want to go? I haven't slept all night. I just got off a train for like 10 hours. And I'm like, uh, I, I can, you know, because you're supposed to. Like, you go on a team. I learned my, my mistake the last time in Sweden. Like I said, I was kind of tired. This time I'm like, yeah, coach, I'm great. I slept 14 hours on the train, you know, <laughs> whatever he needed to hear. So I go to the training, man, and it's one of their recovery days. And uh, this team was so stacked, by the way. it was. We had too many foreigners for our roster. And we they, they won like every game pretty much that season when I came in. And I go to the training, and uh, I guess what happened is when my agent had, like, sent me over there, um, on the way, like, between the time I accepted it and going over there, one of the Serbian guys' uh, friends was on trial with the top league team, and he got let go. So he came in with this team uh, from the trial. He came in with this team, and they saw him, and they signed him for their last international spot. And I came, and this guy had just signed, but he's like, uh, he, he's like, all right, um, it's a, it was a recovery day. I didn't know this. I go out there and it's just literally the whole training. I guess this is how English trials go. The whole training, like was these guys that were in the recovery training. So the guys that played the games were dragging around the other guys that didn't play much. They were doing light stuff. They were like hitting balls, but they were just working, hitting that. And we were, they were testing our first touch, man. So I get off the train 12 hours, man, no sleep. And like, I'm just balls getting pinged in from 50, 50 yards, man. Like, and like, how's your first touch? You're in this box. He's in this box. You got to lay the ball. I don't know what it was, man. Maybe I was twilighting or something, man. But like, I was just playing out of my mind, everything. And then we get into finishing, man. Like he puts a goal up. He has these guys that, that were resting or the guys that were doing half practice. He has all the guys on the team just, and pinging balls in. Oh, by the way, it was me and this Serbian guy who was the best, one of the best strikers I've ever played with, one of the best, most technical players. I had no idea he was Serbian, man. I didn't know anything. I walked into the training. I thought it was a Finnish guy, and I'm like, dude, these guys are sick, man. And yeah. this guy was like one of the, yeah, he was one of the most technical players I ever played with. And uh, he, so it's just me and him. We're the guys getting everything pinged in. He had just signed with them, and uh, the coach was testing us. And then we do like a, a finishing thing after where he says, all right, you guys drive the ball five or sorry, a yard off the ground or six feet, whatever, sorry, four feet, something like that, like waist height. And he's like, you guys finish it. And for whatever reason, man, I saw this guy and I'm like, if this is what finish guys are like, I got to hang with this guy, you know? So I saw this guy, best finisher I've ever played with probably. And I played some really good ones. Um, and, and he's just nailing the balls in. So I'm keeping up with him. And like I said, I'm playing out of my mind. So um, I don't even know if like, if uh if i could ever do that again man but i'm just nailing they're driving balls i'm side volleying them perfectly in the corner man and like after that like the next day the coach brings me aside like end of that training went really well the coach brings me aside he's like he's like hey would be would you be okay if we sign you for next year because we just signed the last foreigner and we literally can't put any more foreigners on a roster oh wow and I said, I said, I'm not going to sign anything for that. Ne- yeah. So I'm not going to sign anything for next year. Like, um, if you guys want to sign me now, like, and we can talk about next year in the, in the contract, that's what me and my agent kind of came to. And they ended up signing me, man. Um, I, we did, I had some friendlies in the time I was there. I was there for like a week and they ended up signing me and, uh, I didn't play as much because they already had all their guys locked in their foreigners and they won every game when I was there that they needed to, to, to win until they won the league. So, uh, 
that I didn't really play much. I came in off the bench, helped them in some games, and and uh, couldn't knock out any of the other English guys or the other foreigners he had there and uh, French guys or whatever. So I ended up not playing much that season. But that was my experience to European football, which wasn't great, man, because when he signed me, he told me and my agent, he said, I'm not going to sign him if I'm not going to play him. And obviously, like, either something changed or, you know, we found out about that stuff later, man. So that was my first experience. And then, obviously, I, I headed over to, to Narpes um, um, the, ne- the next year. Yeah. Were you uh, were you thinking after the first year, were you set on going back to Europe? Were you interested in trying a, another team in the U.S., going to Sweden? What was your, your thought process that ended you to craft? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good question. To be honest, at that time, not playing much in the USL the year before, not playing uh, that as much as I'd like to at the end of the year in Finland, um, and, and having two ACLs on my, uh, on my, on my resume, like I, I wasn't really, couldn't really be a, you know, what they say, uh, beggars can't be choosers, man. I, I, I wasn't begging, but I couldn't choose at that time at, at the level I wanted. I did look in the USL. I was open to playing in the USL because I had a better experience there in my first year than I did in Finland. But I liked, I liked parts of the European. I liked how they played football there. I did like it. So I was, I was pretty much 50-50, man. Something, whatever, wherever a contract came up best. And uh, nothing came up. No one wanted anything to do with me, man. Craft, you know, like I actually reached out to an old teammate that played there a couple of seasons before that wasn't playing. I played with him in Dayton. He wasn't even playing anymore. And, you know, it was just that networking paradigm. You just got to network as much as you can. And he said, hey, I can put your stuff into the guy there. And that Kraft at that point had never gone with any other agent than David Williamson. Um, and they still might not anymore, but he was the only guy they had ever worked with. I guess they had a really good relationship. And uh, because I kind of get it, went in through my friend, I think that helped rather than uh, the agent I, I had. And because like, I think they can at least use that to rationalization to this David Williamson guy. And they said, Hey, we got a player in right now, but if he gets injured, you can, uh, you can, you can come on trial. Or sorry, if something happens, we don't sign him, you can come on trial. Brazilian guy ended up getting injured. I came in there just at the end of March, man, right before their season started. We played uh, Vasiljevko, which was in the higher league at that time. And in preseason, we beat them on my trial. Um, I played well, and, and they signed me in, on, on a really good contract. Only foreigner there, but I think for that league, really good contract. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what happened. I was, to be honest, I would have played – any decent level, I, I could have got. I wasn't at that time. I wasn't trying to be really picky or choosy. Yeah, and for those who don't know, the the team that Kyle's talking about is uh, our biggest rival in my league now. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, yeah. it's, it's good that they signed you, but I'm glad that you're not playing for them anymore for my sake. Yeah, I I tell you what though, you guys both have nice fields, man. Yeah, Your pitch and, and their pitch in the area has to be one of the best in the league for sure. But even in the area for for higher level teams, man. Yeah, and they just redid their stadium and the track around it the last two years, so it's it's looking really nice for them now. Yeah, you sent me you sent me a picture of that man. I was like, I was like, ah, that looks beautiful, man. And that that, that was a, that was a selling point when I went there. They're like, look at this, and and to be honest, like they marketed to me, I think it was. The best in that level and one of the best in, especially when you just talk about the pitch, in, in like, other than maybe the top, top teams over there, you know, Hoiko and things like that, it was one of the best, I think, play, playing pitches out there. Yeah, and, you know, you the field in Vasa was obviously really nice, but now they took that away from grass and it's artificial grass. So 
it's a nice stadium, but it's yeah. nowhere near as, as nice of a pitch as it was. So now those have really increased in value of grass pitches and in that part yeah. of Finland now. Dude, that plays a big role on your body. That, I'll tell you what, at the end of my career, that was a big, like, uh, that was a big, like, that was a deal breaker sometimes. We played on, like, if it's turf, is it top FIFA quality or we playing on grass, you know? I was struggling in Sweden before I went to Slovakia. That was part of the reason I, I not part of it, but it factored into my decision. I'm like, you know, I actually had an injury kind of when during that whole season, man. And uh, and, and I said, I'm, I'm dying here. I got to leave, you know, in Slovakia. Really, it's good grass fields. Not amazing, but they, they, they're grass fields, you know, which is better for the body. Absolutely. Yeah, so you're in, you're in Sweden um that i think that stadium is beautiful obviously it's artificial yeah. grass but it's, stadium's beautiful you have a lot of success there um i know yeah. you were part of you were playing defensive mid uh mm. for the year where they you guys allowed the fewest goals in the entire league uh you were yeah. one of three for the nomination for midfielder of the season you had a lot of success yeah. in sweden um yeah. obviously you had you had played a lot in other places and had success but i i feel like those years in Sweden, you really, uh, you know, put yourself on the map as a, as a very good midfielder during those yeah. years. Yeah. I think, I think that that was, that was when, because I, I don't think a lot of players are willing to do this sometimes. And I see a lot of players dip out after injuries or bad seasons, whatever it is. I had injuries and I went from, you know, here in the USL and I had to grind my way back up, you know, and, I, I helped that team promote and helped grind up with them. And, uh, you know, my form kept getting better and better. Um, as uh, that whole time after the USL, I mean, I was here, my form went like it kept getting, cause I knew with two ACL injuries, man, I knew how I had to market myself and, um, I had to be way better than the guy next to me to get where I wanted it. And, and I made that happen in Sweden. They had amazing staff there. Um, the people in, in Lynn shopping, it was the fifth biggest city in Sweden. Like you said, the facility was amazing. Um, one of the best facilities probably in the, in, in, in the top, you know, in the, even in the level above us there, um, or the couple levels when I was there, amazing facilities, um, really good opportunities to go do extra training when I wanted. Uh, I, I was getting touches every day, man. I was playing games and I had a schedule, man. I said, I'm going to play my games on whatever they're Saturday or Sunday. And then, uh, I'm going to either go out the next day or the day after that. So I played 90 minutes and I would go out the next day or the day after that to go hard, maybe for two hours of extra work, two or three hours, maybe do that for two days. Yeah. Maybe do that for two days. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like I would not do extra stuff. I don't have my own team training. I try not to. Sometimes I got the itch, man. I'd go do it. But I got in that routine, man, at the end of my time in Sweden. And you know, you get comfortable in the place, man. I knew exactly how to do it. The, the, the equipment manager guy there, one of my best friends, the guy helped me out so much whenever I needed to get extra touches with the balls. And, uh, yeah, that, that was probably where I really started to, like, I was going up, but I started to go up like that. And I think I think Slovakia, when I went over there, I was in the best form of my, my career at the at, at there. But this is where I started to kind of even get on radars, you know. Yeah, what's your experience? Obviously, we've had other players on that have talked about, you know, Finland or Sweden kind of the Nordic country experience, but uh, Slovakia maybe is more of an unknown of the, the football world there. What's your experience? What was it like there? Yeah, so I, I would assume it is because Slovakia is not a country that's really open to uh, 
to bring in Americans, you know? I'll tell you why. I learned why, man. They got some massive visa complications for Americans, man. You got to get FBI fingerprints. Uh, Yeah, no, so you have to get your fingerprints to get your FBI checked. You got to get all this stuff like perfectly done, man. Yeah, that's one of a crazy, some crazy immigration stories. I almost got kicked out of every country, but the one in Slovakia was it was I had to go to a different country to get fingerprints, FedEx them back home, get them sent back in time. But I think that's part of the reason. But also, they don't all speak English there, man. There were guys on my team I couldn't speak to, man. Which you know, in Japan was normal way back then. But ever since then, every team, Finland, Sweden, they speak. The kids always, every player in the team probably speaks English, you know. Um, there and they didn't and that was a real cool situation because it was a Slovakian team but it was owned by Brazilians so we had a lot of uh, Fluminense players from the top team in in Brazil um, on loan over to us and our coach was a Fluminense coach he's actually he's coaching he's my favorite coach I've ever had professionally amazing coach he's the guy who saw me brought me over believed in me um, you know like played me from pretty much from the start when I went over there and uh, now he's coaching with the – he's uh, one of the coaches for the U-20 Brazilian national team. So um, he's doing really well for himself. He was a young coach. He still is young, but he was young, and he was just starting his career. Kind of like a pap coach. But So I had those two experiences, man. And I'll tell you what, Slovakians are very good technically. And uh, physically, they're, they're pretty good. They're not super big, but they're pretty strong physically. Um, but I think some of the countries like Czech and that I've heard that are close to that in the, in the kind of the – more Eastern Central Europe, they're they're a little bit bigger, but they're very, very technical there. I think the thing about Slovakia is, though, compared to Sweden and Finland, it's it's more of a poor country. So mm-hmm. as in, like, it's not a third world country, but that league and what I found out when I was trying to push for that, that top league over there and when I went over there is that they, it's a selling, it's a selling market, you know? And Sweden is not so much of a selling market. It is. They do sell players in the, in the, in the top leagues. Um, in Sweden, but I think they like to keep players and they have money where they can. Whereas maybe there's just one team in, in, in the top league in Slovakia that, that like really wants to compete in like the uh, Bratislava. It's a team in their capital. It really wants to compete, maybe two teams, but Bratislava is the, 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 and they get in the Europa League, sometimes Champions League, but everywhere else, like they want to bring in young players that they want to sell, you know? And I think what was different and you know, how I got in there, um, since I was an older player and it was American, not very marketable with my ACL injuries. How I got in there was because that they were struggling bad when I went over there. Like they were on like a four game losing streak and uh, they were in 15th out of 16 teams. Top four went down and uh, they just, there was the last day of the window, man. And, and uh, they needed it. The coach saw me. So I went over there, but I tell you what, very, very technical, very high speed. I went over there from Sweden and, and walked in there and in Sweden, I think at the end of my career there, I was, I was uh, starting to hit free kicks for my team, and I had worked my way into that position. And I, I just trained them. We had a, we had a three-week break in Sweden, man. And I, I spent the whole break. I didn't go anywhere. All these other guys went on vacation. I stayed back the whole time, man, just working on set pieces. I said, hey, my team's struggling on set pieces. I want to work on them. And I ended up getting into a position where a coach, I came back into our, our you know, after the break in Sweden. And, and I took step, I, I, I said, hey, coach, let me take some step bases. He's like, really? You never take them. I started taking them. He's like, all right, you're taking all the corner kicks. You know, you're on free kicks. That was great, man. And then I go over to Slovakia, and uh, I had worked on all this, man. I'm ready to use it, man. And then, dude, we have, like, we have guys that are played for the top team in Fluminense, you know, and, like, Slovakian guys that have played for the national team on our team. So I was, like, bottom of the line for taking free kicks, even though I hit a couple 
good ones where it's just training after trainings and the coaches saw it. But that, that I think that's just, you know, for me, that represents like, it's just a whole not, it's really like good. To, they're really good there technically. And, and, it, you know, there's levels above that, you know, obviously Slovakia is here. Then you got, you know, Holland and Spain and you got, you got all those levels, man. And, and for me, that was just an eye opener to see, like, you know, you go to this level, it's that much more fast pace. And they played, they played good soccer. The fields weren't the best quality because like I said, it was a little bit more of a, a poor country. They didn't use so many turf fields. There are more grass fields there. And, uh, yeah, I think that was it. Um, that 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 did affect the play a bit, and it got kind of uh, direct because of the field quality could have sure. been bad at some yeah. some fields were really bad, you know. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that that's really important when it comes to uh, the the soccer is is the if you're going to play in a grass field, it's got to be a, it's got to be a good grass field. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that's real, what I would say there. Real quick, we got some comments coming in. Shala. Yeah. Shout out Shala. He said, "Do you need to have facial hair to go live?" Uh, it definitely helps. Yes. He's also, though, to be fair, kind of bucking the curve of uh, defenders with facial hair. So, yeah, Shala, you're killing us, man. We had that conversation before. But we have uh, X and Reed calling you a legend. X said that you love to foul him at Bridges. Care to comment and defend yourself? All right, foul X at Bridges. You know what? That kid's a baller, man. He's slippery, and I just wanted him to get ready, man. I wanted him to get ready for <laughs> the professional level, man. You slip, you slip by someone, especially if they're older, man, and and they they've uh, dealt with a lot of young and legends like you. It's just easier to stick your foot out or grab, you know. And uh, <laughs> Some, sometimes you got it. Yeah, man. I I mean, I ask, come on, bro. You got it. You got to admit, there's a lot of guys doing that to you in the league, man. You dice them up, man. You mag them. And they're they're pulling you back, so exactly. Um, especially especially when it's you know you're you're an older player at the time defending a younger guy, and it's near the end of the week. They're still fresh. Yeah. Your body's feeling it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I even pulled like I only went a couple days a week, man, because I I was old. I had ACL problems. I'm like, all right, I'm only going to show up a couple days a week, man. And I I still you know how I played too didn't help, man. I was just <laughs> killing I killed myself. So uh, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I, I these guys read. These guys are legends, man. Like, um, you, I only respect a legend comment from legends, so I, I appreciate that because a legend comment only means something from a legend. I think though, at the bridges, you're probably the biggest legend in that sense of the word legend. I've been around a long time. I guess if you factor that, man. And for whatever reason, I was never on the top team. So you know, I, know. I, was, I was shocked because, like, when I finally made it to the top team, then Brett yeah. would never put you on the top team. So no matter what, I felt like I was always defending against you, never got to play with you. Yeah, we always did, man, because I always played uh, attack. I always attacked in Bridges too, man. Brett's like – but, uh, no, I think I, obviously Brett is a genius. His dealing with people is a genius. And everything he did with me made me the person I am. And, you know, he did similar things to, but be honest, Eric Gehrig, man, played five, six years in the MLS. I think he finally went on the top team by his last, whatever, a couple of years. But there were years he was in the MLS, man. And it's just like he built his team and he wanted to have competition, you know. And I was a grinder, man. And 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 I was, you know, like I did get pissed at times, man, when, when these guys – they did stupid things or these young kids, man, they did stupid things or they cost me a game. And, and when I was only going out there a couple times a week and I didn't want to be that guy, but at times I was that guy. 
And, and I remember when I was a kid, man, I'm like, look at these dicks out there, you know, like, and I, I ended up like turning into that guy a bit, but I always try to catch myself, man. I always try to go to a guy's later and been like, you know, like try to like put my hand on their shoulder and be like, you know, it's nothing personal. I'm frustrated at my situation too, you know, because I want to be with, you know, these other guys that are playing better soccer because the grinding team was great. They ran a lot, which is what I, I can do. But, you know, the top team, man, always played, uh, always played better, better soccer, man. So, yeah. And see, I had kind of the different experience my first time when, when Brett put me on, on the top team. Uh, he, after a couple weeks after, told me, he's like, I put you on that because it was like Mikey Stevens and all. And he was like, I want you to deal with players just getting mad at you for having the worst uh, touch. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was mine was like, can, can you, you know, deal with your teammates being mad that you're, you know, maybe not at the same level as them and continuing to, to still worry about your play and still focus. So. He's a, he's a really, genius with what he does. Yeah, I tell you what, man. If there's if there's something that he's better at than coaching, um, Coach Brett, it is um, his ability to to manage people, get to get the most out of every single one. I've never seen someone he cannot interpersonally break into and uh, like get the most out of them, motivate them in different ways. Because he takes people from everywhere, man. He mm -hmm. takes people that were growing up in a household with all the money opportunities in the world, and he brings them back down to earth, man. He takes people that have no opportunities, that have a rough growing up, and he brings them up to like, like, hey, you got to be this professional, like, and, and like, uh, even despite everything you've dealt with, um, not saying that he, I, this is what I've seen. I've seen him do this stuff with guys that had no discipline or, or anything like any, any, and he brings them there. So that's amazing. But backtracking, man, you always did well on the, on that team, man. You fit in there really well. I think on, on, I, on the I, my team. secret was I was willing to never cross half to attack. So that was ah. that, that's where I I was willing to just hold and be the last man. So and those guys all Brilliant, want to go man. forward and score. So Brilliant, dude. But that's that's why that's why I would always just like pull the old school like bridges uh like the uh the experience move of like always like running on the boards behind the defenders, just making you check your shoulder, you uh -huh. know? I always I remember one time back in the day, Bridges was another monster back in the day, man. Yeah. And I re I, I remember like when I signed for Dayton, there was one time in my Bridges career, I think I, I had like a couple of weeks where I was one of the top players there, despite all the MLS guys there. Like, uh, and, and maybe I'm just saying this, but I was scoring. Like, there were days where I scored more goals than anyone else. And I used that strategy, bro, just chill on the back, man, post people up, man, being that even the, even the small guy, man. But, um, yeah, that was, that, that was good times, man. And, and uh, way back when, man, maybe you had some, a taste of that at your beginning at Bridges, man. Yeah. But, Obviously, I've been around forever, so that was before a lot of people uh, even remember. All right, yeah. So you were you were talking about uh, about bridges and um, kind of your you were there when it was. Um, I mean, there were just so many ballers there. I kind of saw that the last maybe year, two yeah. seasons that I was there, um, which is a good segue too, because sometimes these these younger guys are uh, discussing their bridges five aside teams and i'm just thinking man there's so many great players they uh yeah. they, they aren't putting on their rosters if they could have seen it back when back when it was really flying um yeah. Yeah. so what what is your bridges five aside team to be honest bro i actually i like i read over and like read over the questions i didn't see the no mls man like oh. uh 
So well, you know what? You're, about, you're a legend. I'll allow whatever you want. You do it. All right. All right. Because right. mine was back in the day, man. And what, and, and, but none of these guys, I don't even know if anyone besides you maybe even played with any of these guys, man. So, like, when I thought up my team, man, I think I would throw uh, Muhammad in goal. You know, uh, the Egyptian uh -huh. guy played in the Egypt top league. He was a baller back in his day. He's in the goal, man. I'm throwing, uh, I think, Gehrig, Eric Gehrig. That guy, I tell you what, that guy was a Bridges legend, man. Um, he, he was a guy that, like, everyone, the younger kids, because he was on the second team sometimes, they would hate him because he, he expected the most from everything, and Brett was fine with it, man. Because it was good for the kids, man. Just like you said, he did the same thing that some of those guys did. And small then, uh, small story with Gehrig. Uh, yeah. Before I met him, before I knew him, I was playing PDL with uh, yeah. a goalkeeper that I played with him at Loyola. And obviously, like I had my hair the same as back when, when he had longer hair. Yeah. And the the goalkeeper's like, dude, you, you would look exactly like yeah. this guy I played with in college. And so he yeah. showed me the photo. And then I met Gehrig, but at that point, he had cut his hair. And so it, it was like, maybe like a year or two later till wow. I realized the connection of that. So no way, dude. Yeah. I tell you what. Yeah. Now looking back when you had the, the, the when you didn't have the hair bunned up, man, there was a pretty, pretty big resemblance there, man. You could uh, pull a doppelganger man or a Halloween costume. Next time you want to go out. Ho Gary, I'm yeah. hoping the, uh, the similarity now though, isn't so, so much. I'm hoping I keep my hair. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, I don't. He doesn't have the beard either, man. But um, yeah, so Gary Legend, man, Chris Schuler, who I actually grew up playing with, man, six foot fifty-five, I think, man. Every every time, every time you got by that kid, I saw so many players get by that kid in youth and in professional. They got by him, but he was six foot maybe five or six, but he had like a wingspan that he could reach like eight feet away, bro. So he would pull this claw and everyone get by him. They had no chance, and he was really good on the ball, man. So those two, um, in the middle, Baggio Husidic, um, Husidic, you know, played for L.A. and Chicago Fire forever. I think he might have got a national cap here or there. Um, Ned Grabavoy, I tell you what, Ned Grabavoy, he came there, man. It was tough. It was close between him and Patrick Niarco because Patrick Niarco would just literally get the ball from the goalie, run through everyone. But Grabavoy would chill in the middle, and he would just get the ball and dribble everyone two times. That's why I picked him. Because Nyarko only went through everyone once. Yeah, grab away, chilled in the middle, and he beat everyone twice. He, he, was, you, and then... he was so frustrating to defend. Because yeah. I remember I asked him, I was like, why are you wearing tennis shoes in here? And he goes, because I can roll the ball better with them. And I remember <laughs> yeah. one time, I think he, he made like four guys, did it double to at least one of the guys, and then just chipped the ball into the goal as the goalie's laying on the ground. Dude. I tell you what, man, and he, he was—he would play for Magic too. So he was a couple of years older than me, man. And Mako loved him. Mako was the guy that ran the club and was the number one country. Worked with Fire a lot too. This guy loved him. His, his coach and I was like, yeah, he's good. But then you play against him, man, and he played forever. Salt Lake or whatever he played. Uh, he played in uh, Timbers for a while too. He probably got New some York. National team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. New York. Yeah, he probably got some national team cap. I think he at least got on some trips or something, but. Yeah, he was he killed it in there, man. And then uh then up top, you got to put uh Mike McGee, man. Um just just a baller. And obviously he was I think it was a, the either Chicago Fire or like the MLS like one of the 
he scored the most goals or something like that one of the years. And he's obviously got national team cast, man. But those guys, man, and they all came at one time. And so you're looking at literally right there, a Bridges top team, man. And uh, that's, that's why those days when they were there, man, it was the blue team was on all day, man. It was who can, who can, who can last the longest against them. Yeah. I remember when like those guys were all there and then you also had like Brian Gall. Yeah. You had so many guys that were just, unbelievable all on the same team and it was like well i'm going to the second field i think yeah there you go man exactly you just how how long can i stay on the top field man and not get relegated but yeah sorry about that man i i didn't think through there's a lot of ballers that have come through that haven't been on teams man but i really didn't think through that till the end man but a lot of these guys have been mentioned already man all those guys are good all of them and there's definitely some grinders that aren't even in top top three leagues man that are really good players and uh, have a lot of respect, respect for. So um, I, I, I just, I let's let's thank you for the exception, man, and a little blast from the past, man. So some of these guys know some of the ballers that were in there before. Yeah, no, and I, I'll, I'll allow it with you too because I mean you've been there for so long. Because I think nowadays, if you if you said the MLS, they'd all choose the same couple of guys because there's only yeah. a few maybe trained there. But at that for point, sure. even even the guys that you're naming, there's a lot of ballers that were MLS guys training there that aren't on that side of side. Oh, so. 100%, man. I mean, there, there were days where it was, I think there were two teams of MLS guys, you know? So, um, it, but it was different. And, and uh, you know, like, it's they're, they're, like, there's some really good ballers right there now. And I don't know what what's up if the MLS guys all train with their teams or, or what it is now, man. But um, and Fire had their own thing, I think. But uh, it, it was just, it was, it was, yeah, for me, I obviously I was a different generation of bridges. You know, um, I think that was that was it. Like I was there at the end, and there were some great ballers, and the technique and everything was really good. And and uh, you know, but the, my generation when when I was there at the end, I was only there for a couple of days too. You know, like like I said, my body was too old. I could not take that Soccer City turf and probably whatever fumes are in that building too, man. I couldn't take it for more than two or three days a week. I knew my body couldn't. Or else I love those guys that were there, though, man. Like Reed, X, all these guys, man. Like um, really yourself, obviously. Everyone that was there pretty much every day. I, it's classy guys, man. They, they welcomed me in for being a grandpa and, uh, and, and also only being there for a couple days a week and, and, you know, talking trash or whatever or pulling X back, whatever, all that stuff. They, they still they didn't hate. They, I don't think they – they hate it at all, which they probably should have. So I respect that. Also, uh, rumor has it with, you know, there no, not being any soccer right now. Apparently, Soccer City did like a deep clean of the entire facility. Yeah. So I think it needed it, but I'm, I'm interested to see if it actually looks a little different now. Yeah, I know. I was just, I was just like listening to some new news on the coronavirus, and they were saying like someone's doing a deep clean. What deep cleaning really means is cleaning. And they just want to add on deep before they, you know. That sounds better. Yeah, exactly, because it sounds better. But uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see what's going on. I I was in there once this last off season to visit the guys. Can't play because if I go out, man, my what I'm doing right now can't happen if I get injured. So can't I couldn't couldn't risk it. Shout out, Graf is on saying not as sunny as Florida. What's up, Johan? There's a Bridges legend right there, man. That guy yeah. climbed, bro. He climbed. He uh-huh. went from from the bottom to the top. Not really the bottom, but Bridges to the top. We make a new song. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So uh, just talking a little bit about you, uh, you decided to hang up the boots uh, this after this past season. Uh, what was kind of the, the decision-making process that it was time to move mm-hmm. on? Uh, yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I see essentially for me uh, and what I've told other people, it's the truth, man. I even, to be honest, at the end of my career, I, like for all the things I was sacrificing and all the moving I was doing and all the immigration problems I had, like, I was like, my life would definitely be, if I want to look at like a normal person, more enjoyable if I'm back at home coaching and, and having stability and not having to worry about getting kicked out of the country and, and all this stuff, you know, like. My life would be way simpler at home, but I'm like, this is my mission. This is what I'm doing. This is I need to take everything I can from the game without distracting from what my mission is to pay the game forward. So I said, if I can keep climbing up, and I did that for a while in Sweden, and uh, and uh, when I started to go up with the team, and and I was getting looks, and I went to Slovakia, and I thought I was going to keep going up in Slovakia. Like I, I, I thought it was God's plan for me, so I kept going, and then uh, I had these, uh, I had a really bad injury that, to be honest. I played through that whole second half of the Slovakian season, and uh, it caused me a lot of problems. I was still playing well, but not as well, and I had problems with that coach. So I didn't play as much as I did in, in other times. I still played, but not as much. Uh, and, and and with my ACL injuries, I just wasn't getting the opportunities that, that I thought I needed to, that were going to make me learn more about the game so I could pass it on. So I didn't have that, and and I and I told I told myself uh, – I said it's time to it's time to go back and start paying the game forward because you know life is short and they always say hey you can't you know play the game anymore after you're done retiring but you know life's short man you you think about it if you think about you live to 100 years old 100 years old that's what like 1200 months if you make it there every month man that's one out of 1200 and life's short man so I was just like I said I said I actually was gonna stay in Sweden I, I was there waiting i couldn't play in sweden had immigration problems but i was waiting there um with the buddy waiting for something to happen in slovakia or czech or one of these other countries and uh nothing happened or or i was also looking in denmark a little bit at the end and uh i said all right i booked a ticket for one month in the future i said i said i'll give myself one more month and you have 24 hours after you book these tickets you know to to it was a norwegian air to to refund it and i just was thinking about it all the time man i just thought about the same thing i told you right there you have 1,200 months if you live to 100 years old. So more like we have 100, 1,000 months in our life. I'm like, I'm going to wait waste a month here being miserable, not playing with the team, not working with my players. And I just said, I, I canceled that ticket in like the last five hours, booked a ticket home for a couple days, which was really cheap. I ended up finding out it was 9-11, didn't think about that. So maybe that's why it was a little bit more cheap, a little bit risky. And uh, And then I haven't looked back so much since that day. Got back, chilled with the family a bit, started right on my on my uh, my my private small group training. Um, went and stayed with some people in Chicago and kind of kind of went from there, man. So, but I, you know what? I do miss the game a lot. Even though I had the injury, man, I was in really good form at the end of my career. And I still think, man, if this is just me. Like, if you put me on the field right now, like maybe not right now because I haven't trained as much. But at the end of my career, if you put me on the field, like the other guy will not have a better game than me. Like not saying I'm going to be better, amazing on the ball, but defensively and what I'll do on both sides of it, my, my passing percentage. And I, I, that was tough to leave the game because I knew I was in such good form at the end. But, you know, we all have our, our moments. You had yours with coaching, you know, where you, you, you get your sign from God and you have to kind of just, you have to accept the path that he's given you. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's never, it's never completely easy, but at the same time, as you said, like there's, there's other things in life. There's other aspects than than just being a player. And at some point, everyone has to move on eventually. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about what you're doing now with your exciting. I think it's exciting your new program of how you're choosing to pay it forward. Yeah. So this has been actually this has been the last six months of my life, man. I've committed everything to this, and this is. Part of the reason I wasn't able to stop by Bridges more, and and uh, I've had no social life these past five or six months, and now that I actually have a break because this virus, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, so I can't have a social life anyways. But uh, either way, like what I'm doing, the idea, man, my end goal for all of this, man, was never to become like the next like yoner one on one or these top private trainers in the world to have people come five hours away because that's not good that's not sustainable for the world i don't want people coming this far for me my goal was to always make it more scalable so like because i as a player i grew as a player because i took individual skills i found each individual skill that the best players in the world had and i said do i have this skill so i didn't even watch games for the, I did for the tactical part of it at the end of my career, but when I was really getting better in the beginning, I had the tactical understanding pretty well, but there were so many skills in my game I was missing from youth soccer, from college soccer, even from playing in America, um, I, I was missing. And I, I started adding those on to my game and just analyzing the skills, breaking them down because I, I understand my body really well. And that's what I'm trying to do with players now is like, and I do it in my coaching. I've had a lot of success and, and uh, like my private thing for just me my schedule almost got too full where I literally didn't even have any more time to put, fit people in, you know, but that's never what I want it to be about. I want to make a bigger impact. So what I'm trying to do now is like, I, I just started a nonprofit. I really haven't announced it on, on social media, but I at least started filing for it before all this coronavirus stuff happened and it kind of opened up my, uh, my bank account for it and everything. It was called, it's called soccer skills for success. And essentially what I want to do is work with colleges and use those players to become private trainers and the money obviously come become self-sustainable for the program, but also goes back into, uh, uh, goes into whatever good cause you have out there, you know, and because these kids need to understand, need to, need to learn how to become professional, how to pay the game forward, all these amazing things. You Absolutely. Know? And, uh, yeah. And, and, and it's, I think it's the best outlet for, it can be self-sustainable for the college. That's a big goal of mine. And, and now that I've had this time off, haven't been able to work on, um, obviously training kids are, are working with colleges and that's going to take time and I'm going to have to figure that out. But um, I've been working on a little bit of online platform, just trying to, the players that want to do it. And I tell you what, a lot of my players don't want to do it. Maybe don't have the discipline to do it themselves. I'm breaking down videos of skills that I like all those individual skills I'm taking. I'm trying to make super detailed videos, breaking them down and uh, giving them, them to the players and, and the kids that want to do it can teach themselves because I don't want only, I don't only want to work with the kids that have, you know, their parents are making six figures every year. You know, I want kids to be able to take care of it. They're at, at you know, they're training by themselves and, and if there's any kids watching or any kids that, you know, right now they're on my site for a price, man. But if any kid tells me, he's like, hey, my parent won't buy it, buy it for me. And like, you know, this is my background. I say, whatever, I'll give it to him for free. You know, like I want to be compensated so I can also, you know, be able to work on my nonprofit and, and uh, you know, have that sustain itself um, without me pay, taking all that money out of there. And, you know, we all have to make a living. But at the same time, like I, I want to help kids 
uh, take their game. That that's a pain I'm trying to solve. When I was a kid, no one guided me. I didn't have mm-hmm. a private trainer. My parents didn't. Uh, no one guided me, and that's what I'm trying to help the players with. Is hey, you don't need to be doing these dribbling moves or juggling skills. You're you know you got your feet. Or sorry, you're looking at the, your feet or you're doing a juggling skill. It's not going to get you anywhere, man. So that, that's what I'm trying to do now, man. And I'm just trying to pay the game forward in my own way or a way I can make the biggest difference. No, it's a, it's incredible, man. It's an inspiration. Um, I. I appreciate what you're doing, especially as a coach now. Um, I just think, you know, if more if more people, more former players took that approach in their communities, what effect yeah. that would have on the soccer, you know, for the future generations coming up and playing. So I know there's there's comments on here from other people of just how inspirational that is that you're giving back so much of your time and energy for the game. It's uh it's an encouragement when I see it on social media, all your postings and all of working with kids and also just yeah. the joy you can see that they have when they finally hit, you know, that target in the upper 90 shot or whatever it is and how happy yeah. they are to celebrate with you. So yeah. I know, I know you're putting in long hours, but it's definitely appreciated. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. I have so much respect for the guys that comment on here, Reed, man. I know that guy's going to make a difference with the game and he already is, man. That, that, that guy is like, I think at Bridges, man, he, he's like a, He's kind of like he's he's turned into a, a like a mainstay there and, and a mentor for some of the younger guys, man. So that are grateful for it, man. And he's 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 creating experiences. You yourself, man, as a coach, bro. You're you're inspiring these kids through these videos where they get to understand how people can do things, but also you're you're giving American players opportunities over there, which is awesome, man. They might not get anywhere else. So um, and those guys will go on to pay the game for it. You're obviously I've seen some of the stuff you're doing in the community for the program. That's awesome. Because it's it's one thing just to be a coach, man, and be in there. But when you start to like try to actually make a difference in the community, I think Sporting's really happy or really lucky to have you, man. And just that area, man, Christina Stodd is really lucky to have you. I I, I hope so, man. I hope so. Um, yeah. I want obviously now you've you're a little bit older of a player, moved on, and you have a lot of experience. A lot of you've seen a lot of things through your career. Um, if you could look back and maybe, you know, you're talking to 15-year-old self, what, what's kind of the main advice you would have given yourself at that time? That's a great question. Um, I think that for me is biggest piece of advice I would have given myself is work smart, don't just work hard. Because I was the guy trying to outwork everyone. And that's a big thing I see. Like if you ever watch, listen to these motivational things and say, hey, you just got to outwork the next guy, just got to outwork the next guy. That's not it. Being a professional isn't about who's the hardest working guy out there. Hard work's important, but being a professional is who's disciplined. Anyone can go out there and kick a ball for three hours a day, but who can go out there? I mean, at the end of my training, Matt, at the end of my training, I would have notes on things I needed to work on and and go out there and have a list of things I need to work on. I'd have a plan. After, I'd take notes on things went well, things didn't go well, so I had them for later, um, how, how I felt like I was executing these things. I would take video of myself, go watch the video after, because your body can only do so much extra stuff, but uh-huh. you can do there's so many little things you can do. I would literally watch video of myself in slow motion, man, and I, my free kicks at the end of my career. I'm sad. I was training them at the very end, man, and they were in such good form, man, because I was just analyzing my free kicks and looking. So I'd say try to separate yourself not by how hard you're working, not just by that, but but how smart you're working and how professional and disciplined you are. So I I think that's the biggest piece of advice because when I was a 15-year-old, I I was out in my backyard training stupid dribbling skills all day, man, got me nowhere. Instead of actually looking at, hey, what are the pros doing? Nine out of ten players take two touch and 70% in the game, you know? 
why, why don't I just work on my first touch and my passing range? That would have got me a lot farther than uh, this triple scissor snake, double step over Maradona, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and you see so many players where it's like, oh, I did 200 passes in this, and it's like, all right, but how is the form? You know, if you had correct form in it, doing 20 of those passes would have been more beneficial than 200 with the poor form. But again, yeah. I think people think, you know, the, the total amount done of work is, is the most important thing where it's, it's yeah. definitely not, you know, quality, quantity over yeah. quality is yeah. how they view yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Keep going with you. No, it's, that, that's what I would say to my 15 year old self, that idiot, that idiot didn't have a good beard, long hair. Just, he was a loser. <laughs> but look at you now. <laughs> Got the beard. Yeah. Check one. A, be- a bearded, a bearded loser, idiot. I've made a lot of progress. Now, now here's a, a fun question I kind of got. Uh, for those who know you, know that you are uh, kind of notorious for maybe just kind of going going your own path with certain things. Oh, yeah. um, one of those being diets or what you consume. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give us, give us just like your maybe your top two or three like out there food styles or diets that you've <laughs> gone with over your career? Uh, I mean, let's see. What I'm doing now is probably something that most people be like, no way. Like uh, now I eat like, what do they call it? I try to eat like nose to tail, all the animal. So I mean, I literally eat tail. I, I've never eaten a nose. I'm not sure if you can, but I've eaten heart. I've eaten liver. I've eaten like, you know, pancreas i had pancreas last night everyone's like oh disgusting but sustainability wise if you eat the whole animal it's better for the world you know like and uh it's also i think it's healthier through my research i'm pretty good shape man for for an old guy that doesn't do much anymore but uh, i think that was pretty crazy um i tried to do uh i remember uh i was on like a big potato diet man like people probably remember that, like at Bridges, man, I've always been, I'm still crazy about my diet, but I would, I would like have like, just like six, seven peeled potatoes in like a glass jar and right after training, man, and I would just try to like, just like eat the potatoes, you know, like right after, like, you know, these protein guys, like, all right, I got to drink my protein before the bar hits the floor. They finish their last, like uh, their last shoulder press and they drop the bar and try to like drink the protein. I was like that with like uh, potatoes, man. <laughs> and, uh, Derek and I think some of these guys you always just give me trash about that. But, um, and and there was one diet where I tried to never combine foods either. That was pretty crazy. So oh, I wow. only eat one food at a time, man. So I'm eating like ten meals a day, man, because I like I eat fish. I eat fish, not even vegetables with it, man. Fish here, but like I, I would even eat. I even ate like you know what flaxseed is. Uh huh. I would like grind up flaxseed and just eat like bowls of flaxseed, man. So like after that, it's stuck all over your mouth, man. And like you, you can't even like you have to go like rinse, brush, like to get all the flax out of there. But I'm like, all right, it's got magnesium, it's got all my minerals, and uh, yeah, man, that was pretty crazy when I did that. I was in decent shape back then, but um, yeah, I'm absolutely crazy. And also something that. Maybe I can find the picture for you because I think these kids would love to see it. Is uh, the self-made boots? You remember those? Uh huh. <laughs> the square, the Franken boots, man. Oh, uh, yeah. That, I'll, I, I'll tell that. I I look yeah. over at him on the sideline, and 
the he has this normal shoe but i don't know what whatever size you are it's like three sizes too big and then like an the, eight it was like yeah. a size 12 <laughs> and the tip is like bent backwards and like hammered together so it's like the old uh <laughs> old american football kicking boot where it's just flat across the toes honest honest remembers those man oh dude the legends remember that honest you're a legend man oh dude i remember that was difficult man i went to two i went to two combines with those on man i don't know what i was thinking man physiology wise i know what i was thinking but first of all the laces took up the whole shoe so you couldn't strike a ball because you got no grip so i, I was knuckling everything i guess for shooting that was okay but second of all i went to two combines and i actually balled out in both those combines too i was like dude why aren't these coaches taking me I'm like, oh, wait, I took a pair of size 12 boots, stapled them, put pop rivets in, in them, stapled in a half, and, and I'm <laughs> walking out there. Oh, man. Every single kid I went out of these combines, every single kid it was like, dude, what's wrong with your boots, man? Every, I had to answer it 20 times a day, man. And uh, I'll try to find that picture, man, so you can have that. Because I went to OKC Combine, and they took a picture, man. I can't believe they put it up on their website, too. Um, I got invited down there, man. <laughs> went to the Combine, and... I'm like, dude, I balled out. I was in the all-star game, whatever, at their invite combine. And yeah, that was that was something that, hey, that's a great business idea. Like, uh, I'm I'm definitely down for that in the future when I get some time. But um, yeah, good times, man. Incredible. Oh, oh yeah, hold on. Hold on. Funniest part about that is I remember uh Brian McBride was at Bridges, you know, <laughs> he came out every once in a while. And then uh I, I was the only one that went over to pass him. No one like I think everyone was like a doing that. I went over with my square shoes, man. He's like, dude, what's going on with your shoes, man? <laughs> like, once we got past that, and then like, then I hit him up on LinkedIn. Like, uh, I hit him up on LinkedIn like a year or two later, and like, I think the only reason he accepted my my LinkedIn request was be like, hey, you remember the guy with the the crazy like square Franken boots? I'm like, that was me. He's like, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> so hey, it was all for something. He's like, do you need me to call Nike and uh, send you a pair of boots or something? Yeah, there you go, man. Do you, do you need? He's like, I can get someone to donate them for you. That was that was one of the stupidest things in my life. That's the reason I took from Narpes to Sweden. That's that was the personal reasons I was talking about. No, that was, but see, that's I think what what also instilled in a lot of people's mind that you're a legend because you're just you know anything. And obviously, that's you know more of a, a silly story, but I think you're willing to uh, buck the buck the the social norms or the the football norms and you're willing to kind of go out on your own path and do what you feel is right and i think that's served you well overall in your career yeah i appreciate that man i mean it's got me in a lot of trouble to be honest most of the teams i was at i mean I, but seriously a lot most of, first of all no team was ever going to take me no matter how good i was with that but uh i appreciate that honest. but uh like no, no, and he said he, he was willing to make it at all costs. I appreciate that. That means a lot because that was it, man. I put my whole life out there and I did everything I could. But I tell you what, a lot of teams, the guys didn't accept me because I did. I, I'd go, we'd go on, you know, team trips and man, we'd have dinners and stuff. I cooked my own dinner, man, like, or meals before the game. Like, I, I knew how to respond to the things, man. And maybe that was taking it to the next level. But I said, I don't want in the end of, and every team I was on, I was always competing for a spot, man. I was always, trying to be the best version of myself. I said, I don't want any excuses at the end of the day. So I don't want all players to take it to that level maybe that I did, but I just want them to understand that like the details are what make a difference. The little mm -hmm. details, you know, like if you can control some of those, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, you know, 
nowadays it seems like everyone's trying to fit this exact mold of what a soccer player is and does and everything. And so yeah. I like the fact too, I think the way that, especially in the US, the way we can grow soccer and grow it, you know, and be a successful soccer country and national tournaments yeah. and all is also people going out and branching out and trying different things. You know, if it doesn't work, yeah. you move on. But being willing to try something new is is what brings innovation and success, not just trying to fit a mold of what some other country is doing somewhere that isn't going to work for our country. Yeah. Honest said, honest said, if I had 5% of your grit and passion, I would have made a lot further than where I was. I think they should take it where you took it. Uh, oh, yeah. No, 100%. I mean, Honest was one of those guys at Bridges that, you know, he was one of those guys I was talking about. It wasn't in a top league or anything, one of those, but he's one of those guys that, you know, he was he was there from the beginning, too. He probably remembers, I mean, not from, maybe, yeah, maybe he was there forever since I was there. He probably remembers that team I put up earlier and and, and, and some of that stuff. And, and uh, you know what, he he hung with all of them, man. So, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's he got, I think he called himself a prima donna, but uh, I think, uh yeah, I think that if you kept, yeah, if if he kept pushing, man, and he, like he said, he had that that grit and that passion that with his technique he could have got himself places. But you know what? I honest, I see your stuff, man. You got a good life right now, man. So everything's in God's plan, man. And and uh, I think you're in a good spot right now. And tell you what, my life is crazy, and it has been crazy for 32 years, and it's still crazy. So um, yeah. I think uh, I think that that's really important is that people find a life that they're happy in because football is great, but um, if the grind isn't for you, which it isn't for a lot of people, then you you need to find something that makes you happy because if you're not a happy if you're not happy, you won't be the best footballer you can be. Yeah, yeah. Honest, just said I always thought I deserved more than what I gave, and I think that's uh, pretty common with a lot of players and realizing that more often than not, you're gonna give let's say you give 70%, you're going to get 20% out of it. It's, yeah. you have to give a lot more than what you ever get from the game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point. And, uh, you know what? I, I, I got to a while, I got to a point in my career where I, I stopped, I stopped like saying, this is where I should be, especially after my ACLs, this is where I should be. And I started thinking more like, I'm going to be the best. My mission, we all have to have our missions in my life. Excuse me. My mission is to be the best version of Kyle Kanotech, make it the farthest I can to make the biggest difference I can with the game, you know? And mm-hmm. that, that was it. Once I got there, I, I started, I mean, it happened in Sweden. I had my aha moment where I was like, dude, I was like, I'm not really happy here. And I could be a lot more happy at home. And I made the moment. And this is when I really started going up in my career. In my career. I made a decision. I said, right here, I said, I'm going to give everything I have to this game and I'm going to try to be in the, in the hopes of paying it forward later in the mission for that. And if I, if, if, if it stops getting better, that's when I know it's God's time. you know, I said, that's when God, it's your, it's my time. You, you give me that clear side. And it went up and up for a while. And then, you know, that's what happened at the end of my career. It stagnated. So I think, uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot of players out there, but I have a lot of respect for you, man. You, you made the most out of, you know, you were never the fastest guy in the world, you know, Never the tallest, never the strongest, but you made the most out of who you were, man. And you were a smart player. You were good technically. You made the absolute most. Like you're a guy like Eric Gehrig. Eric Gehrig's the same thing, man. That guy made the absolute most out of his physical ability. His his you know every all the gifts he was given, he made the absolute best out of it. And and uh, 
I think with my injuries, I probably did as well. I, you know, knowing what I know now could have helped me back then. But I think that's that should be any player's goal at the end of the day, just to be the best version they can be. With absolutely, absolutely, yeah. There's so many other factors that are going to determine where you end up team-wise and stuff. So it's all about are you are you the best version of yourself you can be as a player? Yeah, that's it, man. And and uh, yeah, I think. Uh, that you're a good example for that man. I'm happy you're that you're you're using this as a platform, and also your 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 coaching career is going to be great, man. So um, it is already, I'm sure, but it's going to get better and better, man. You're just at the beginning. You're a youngin', man. I am very young. Yeah, I think like yeah. 15 years younger than the next closest coach in my league. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. But that's I told you, dude. My Brazilian coach was he was about 31 and and or 32, but he it was it was a pretty high level over there in Slovakia. I tell you what, man, he was he's maybe 33 or 34. I'm not sure. But the best coach I ever had, man. And, and I'm sorry, not outside professional coach. We got a Brett Halls, obviously, on another right. level. But, right. but, but as, for a professional coach, man, I mean, I was playing my best football of my life, man, in a period. So, I, I, yeah, he was, he was amazing, man. He believed me. He let me play. He had that pep style, you know, where he just, uh, he just like, he, he was a player's coach, man. He, he like, he inspired the players, and he expected a lot from them, but he was always supporting the players, man. He was never, like, yelling at them. I hated that at the end of my career, man. Like, you got a young guy, that's okay for a coach to just rip into him. But if you're a pro, man, you don't need a coach. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely don't think you're like that, man. You don't need a coach to rip in, maybe with young guys, but older players, you don't need a coach to rip into them. They know if they made a mistake or what they've done wrong, man. You tell them one time, and hopefully they correct themselves. Yeah, yeah. You get maybe an immediate reaction by screaming at a player, but long term you do probably more damage than good. Yeah, yeah. So. That's it, man. You know, you've been there. You've had coaches, so yeah, man. I, that, that's big, and and I hope these players um, they understand that one coach um, will not make you as a player. They can definitely help you out, and coaches are very important. So find a good coach, find a good club, but you always have control over your destiny. There's always another club. There, there's a bunch. Like I said, the Brazilian coach loved me. Then the other coach at the end of my career that I took over, I think he had the opposite, hated me. You know, He didn't bring me over. He was the assistant coach when I came over there. So I don't think he was a fan, and we just didn't have a good relationship. So no coach is ever going to make or break you, though. You know, you, you can determine your own fate. Absolutely. I got, I got my goalkeeper coach in here saying, nah, disagreeing that I'm a good coach. So. Ah, yeah, I wasn't sure what he said not to, but I saw I saw your challenge with him, man. That's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or what? Yeah, he, uh, he's throwing some heavy weights up, you know. He's, oh, no way, man. So. He's teaching you a little bit, huh, in Finland? <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, tra- I'm, I'm trying to convince him to get to 100 kilos of weight so wow. he can really throw around the big boy weights. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, man, when I was in Narpes, I didn't even know if they had 100 kilos in that area. <laughs> probably not <laughs> yeah man they had one super small gym but i think that's a european style there not as much I, yeah i think so but i appreciate you coming on i appreciate you taking time to share your story uh, i think you have just a wealth of knowledge um obviously you're you're using it to pass it on but i thought this was also another good avenue to get your story and your advice out to younger players looking at you know either college or professional soccer so thank you so much yeah, 100%, man. I love what you're doing, man. And I, any way I can help, man, I, I'm there, man, because uh, got a lot of respect for you, man. And, and uh, the future is bright for you, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Hopefully this virus and everything gets sorted out. Everything gets sorted out. Hope your family's well, man. Everyone stays safe. And, 
and hope Big Cods gets over there pretty soon. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I know he had a little trouble, but um, I think you guys are a dream team. So. And thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good night. Catch you on the flip side. All right. Bye. See ya.